0: And I went out in the garden, I danced and sang, people walked by and I was talking to them and I felt so happy. And I had done, the only thing different I had changed was my diet.
1: Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Privil Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome everybody to this episode of Food and Diet Can Affect Your Relationships. And I have a conversation with Molly Curry. And I've known Molly for about 20 years. And Molly has been a wilderness ranger, a humanitarian, a permaculturist, a home herbalist, a gardener, and a natural builder. And to learn more about Molly, you can go to the show notes. And this is one woman's story of her transformation and how changing her diet and implementing superfoods impacted her marriage in a positive way and this is an ongoing process for Molly as she honestly shares her struggles at times with sugar addiction. And it is my hope that something in this conversation will stimulate questions about your own relationship with food and diet and the possible influence it has on your close relationships and perhaps inspire change. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because really appreciated when you initiated the email and said, Hey, this is a subject that I want to talk about. Are you willing to to do a podcast with that of how food and diets influence relationships and all around that, how the relationship with ourselves, relationship with our significant other people around us. And you've had your own experiences with your relationship with food and, and the program that you're on right now that, uh, has transformed yourself. So tell us what's been your experience around that.
0: Well, just briefly, I'll just say that, um, yeah, I've had a huge shift emotionally and in the physical realm. But I think like the emotional, mental, relational health thing has been the thing that was really unexpected from changing my diet. Like I did not know that changing my body chemistry, well, that what I was gonna do would change my body chemistry my hormones so much that it would affect my relationship so much in a hugely positive way like it was night and day <laughs> and i'd love to get into that story soon and mm-hmm. you, you've heard the philosophy of food as medicine you know mm-hmm. let your food be your medicine let medicine be your food well that i had that philosophy but i i think that you know, as a home herbalist and a person who was into organic food and eating well, you know, like that was part of what was going on for me. But I realized I was using herbs. It wasn't until later. And I consider herbs superfoods like in a lot of ways. But I had the idea that I could use that herbal medicine to make up for the things I was not doing well in my diet, mainly, which was eating sugar hmm. to excess. I'm an addict, you know, like that's the truth. You, you got
1: to say it twice when you're an addict. I'm an yeah. addict. There you go. I'm a
0: sugar addict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a recovering sugar addict mm. right now. I'm, <laughs> I need to start over. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: But like you said, we discussed, that's so true. Like all the aspects of addiction really shows up with, with sugar, you know, even people hiding it and so forth, you know?
0: Oh yeah. I'm actively <laughs> hiding it right now. <laughs> not I mean, yeah. not right now with us sitting here, but yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, I can hardly go to the store and not, I'm just like, okay, I'm not gonna buy that thing, and then somehow it's in my cart, and I'm eating it in the car. Like, how did this happen? So, that's the sad truth of what addiction. And I know a lot of people have a lot more life impacting addiction, mm-hmm. so I don't want to make light of that. But it is, it can be a very addictive substance for yeah, some people. Yeah,
1: people that people that are addicted to sugar know it, and they know that cycle, especially the shame cycle. After the aspect of the dopamine hit and you get that satisfaction, then the guilt comes in and the shame comes in and that cycle of not feeling good.
0: Yeah. If you're hiding your wrappers in the trash can <laughs> underneath other things like I do sometimes, then you know you're an addict.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I don't want my husband to see that I just ate that thing, you know?
1: Yeah. Would, would he point that out to you when, you when he knew that, hey, I know that you want to stop that? Did he help you monitor that at all?
0: Uh, sometimes I'm like early on, I think it was not as, it's much more kind now, you know, Mm -hmm. like he might ask me, I guess I've asked him to ask me instead of that. I I find that less shaming. Like, do you want to be eating that thing right now? Instead of you said you weren't going to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a big difference. Yeah. Finding ways that he can be supportive. I think he's gotten, we've both gotten more and more clear about that. And He does pretty well Mm -hmm. most of the time. I still get triggered by it Mm -hmm. sometimes, like just that he's asking because I'm like, ooh. Yeah, Yeah, I said that and I'm not doing it, and not being in integrity and yeah.
1: But look about this conversation. We're we're not saying that we're experts around. We're not nutritionists and experts. There's so Mm -mm. many philosophies around it, but it's more anecdotal. Like I love hearing your experience of what, the transformation has taken place in your knowledge of yourself, in your healthy relationships with food and not having certain foods and also the superfood program that you're on. So I think it's great that it's anecdotal. And so when did you realize like you wanted to make a shift, like that you were tired of being the way that you were?
0: Oh, wow. (laughs) Very distinctly on the one hand, I'd say over and over again throughout my life, I tried to quit eating sugar and chocolate. I used to say that I was addicted to chocolate, not sugar. But then when I quit chocolate, I realized I was addicted to sugar, not just chocolate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I, uh, give me some of that jam instead then. Have some peanut butter and jelly on that thing. Mm. But I first really got serious about it again when uh, husbands do not do this. <laughs> when Steve pointed out that I had gotten fat
1: how do we do that like like what is the way we women say tell me the truth i want honesty but not that
0: yeah yeah i mean actually on the one hand i was surprised because i hadn't really i was in i was pretty much in the depths of grief of of my best friend dying and had been caregiving for her and for another really good friend so there was like that whole thing he was so supportive in it and and i had somewhat come through it or was coming through it, I would guess, when he said that, it gave me pause. Like it actually was a good wake up call.
2: Mm.
0: It wasn't fun to be woken up, you know, just like no teenager wants to be awoken at six a.m. to go to school or whatever. I certainly didn't like hearing it, but I internally and then eventually externally acknowledged the truth that it was like I weighed more than I ever had weighed in my life. And there were a lot of other things going on. You know, I was perimenopausal. I was having a lot of hot flashes. And when I say a lot, I'm I'm talking more than 30 a day. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And it was driving me insane. I mean, sure, there's other hormonal parts that were driving me insane, but I was just getting so tired of it. And every time I would have a hot flash, (laughs) I would get pissed off. And I would just be like, another one. You know, it was waking me up in the middle of the night repeatedly and... I was not having fun in life and I was really, really grumpy and bitchy and depressed. I didn't even realize how depressed I was. I wouldn't have said I was depressed or stressed or whatever, but I was not happy. And that was another thing that Steve pointed out that I just wasn't happy. He would say things like, you just don't seem very happy. And I'd be like, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, there wasn't a lot of consciousness around that I wasn't that happy. And I was looking for reasons. I mean, my friend dying was a reason, but mm. that it just was beyond that.
1: So that was a big turning point. You wanted to shift at that moment.
0: Yeah, I think it mainly, the thing that really got me wanting to shift was my weight and... Like when I really looked at myself, I was like, whoa, he is so right. And the pain and the hot flashes, like those were the things. Like I didn't have any thought that I was going to improve my relationship at all from doing this. Like I had zero. That wasn't it. That was not, I had no idea that could be an effect.
1: Hmm.
0: I didn't think about, I don't know. It's hard to connect, I think. Or I did not connect at the time. Food, body chemistry, hormones, and how that comes out in daily life. Right. So, hormonal imbalance really is body chemistry. People talk about body chemistry, and I was like, oh, I eventually figured out that's kind of like hormones, you know? Like, I used to have really bad PMS, and that, you know, maybe set the stage for the intensity of perimenopause for me. Um, but it wasn't really, it just wasn't like, I knew I would have mood swings during my premenstrual time, but yeah, it just didn't occur to me that changing my diet was going to help that much with that. You know, I wasn't looking for relief from that. <laughs> Although I was seriously dragon lady. It was bad. I was worried that i was going to lose my marriage you know despite steve's constant reassurance which was awesome i just i mean a thing that probably wasn't even a needed to be a disagreement about but i was just so emotionally volatile like Mm. emotionally volatile like a volcano like oh he says something i take it personally with no like he has no thought of this being some kind of thing that he's saying bad against me or whatever criticism and i take it that way and and it turns into i mean i re- i literally would watch like you know the internal watcher of my mind you know my my soul person whatever in there would say okay molly don't you
1: know like don't go there don't, don't go do that. there <laughs>
0: <laughs> and i would like it would come out of my mouth you know like some mean or or reactive or impulsive yeah, totally mm. impulsive. Mm. Could not stop it. I can really relate to people who say that they they couldn't stop saying something because I've been there, mm. and it would just happen over and over and over again. And you know, I started really thinking that I was a bad person. Like I, I would feel so bad after I said the things, and that we would have the fight. And I called it the time. I now think of it as the time of fighting and crying. I would end up crying because I felt like a. I had been bad, you know, like I felt ashamed that I had said these things or escalated the argument when I could have chosen something different, you know. It didn't feel like a choice at the time. So was
1: that like a double, double shame cycle You're Eating not the way that you wanted or sugar and feeling the shame about that and then the shame about your expressions of your emotion that was detrimental? To how you communicate, it seems to me it's like shame yeah. was all over that, and yeah. and then what shame does to us is that we want to go back and feel good, and we want to go back into the comfort zone, so we actually do shittier things and making choices around eating again.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, at the time, like I was talking earlier about that, I hide things in the trash can sometimes, the wrappers. Well, at the time, it was not. I was nothing it was hidden. Hmm. Well, maybe not nothing, you know, but like almost nothing. (laughs) And uh,
1: Steve's hearing this and he's going, well, I'm going to have a discussion with that tonight.
0: And sometimes I would, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I can remember hiding some things, but I think they were more like hiding them from myself, Mm -hmm. like to try to not eat them all all at one time, you know, like, okay. Or I bought two chocolate bars and I don't want to eat them too fast so steve will you hide this thing for me you know mm. i would have him he would call,
1: you want him to collude with you oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was oh. being very helpful that way i mean mm. you know like but yeah it set up a weird dynamic too when right. i was like okay time for the chocolate bar now steve and he's like, like are you sure yeah
1: right no
0: yeah yeah you can jones for a chocolate bar mm. definitely
1: So then what made the decision, you know, to say, I'm changing this. Uh, Well, you said their circumstance, but what did you do to change it?
0: It was a hard decision. So my friend had been telling me about this superfood program and I was very, very skeptical. And I was thinking of it for helping the pain and the hot flashes and the weight, you know, and, um, I was like, this costs too much. There's no way I'm doing that. I mean, like literally, I was like, I'm gonna quit this myself. You know, it it kind of gave me a burst of energy to learn about that whole program, then find out how much it cost, and then be like, I'm gonna do this myself. And I just kept trying over and over again, failing and like, failing and failing. (laughs) And that really had been, I I think of that as like, it's a lifelong Mm, habit. Absolutely. And it is not, I mean, I admire people that have gone cold turkey or whatever. And I, the only other time I did anything like this, I did the body ecology diet, which also is like a no sugar thing along with a lot of other dietary things about it. And it was really, really, I found it difficult because I really liked to cook, but it was a lot of cooking and it was my life didn't leave as much room as I really needed to cook everything fresh like I would like to do and and all that. So this program ended up being way easier and that was really helpful.
1: You made some changes and it was when you got on this program, but the changes initially were no sugar and then you went to wheat and dairy, right?
0: Mm, That's a good point. I actually had already pretty much Okay, what I, what I like to say is I used to not eat wheat and dairy except for cookies. Mm. So it was like, or muffins. And um, <laughs> in fact, I would buy a muffin pretty much every time I went to the store and eat the top half of it. And one day the guy looked in the bag, you know, the cashier looked in the bag. And he's like, what's this? I'm like, oh, that's what my husband thinks a muffin is. <laughs> Cause I'd always bring him the bottom half. <laughs> um, but so I'd already pretty much quit that. So, except for the things that were related to sugar. So it wasn't that hard in that way to like continue that dietary change. I had already noticed, you know, that milk gave me difficulty and I suspected that wheat does, and I'm pretty sure about that now. Mm. But, you know, the program actually was like not, so it was like 10 days of a 40-day program is like what they call the 10-day transformation. And that is, you're eating mostly vegetables, but you're also eating oil and some fruit and doing the superfood shakes that come with the program and a gut health and detox capsule and a protein, amino based thing and what am I forgetting? Oh yeah, there's a liquid cherry juice that comes with it. So it's kind of like a cleanse but most people when you say cleanse they think of fasting and it's not at all that. I think what was really great about it is that you also are eating like small amounts of healthy food throughout the day. Cucumbers or in the winter I've done things like make um, a vegetable soup and I do really like stir frying things Sometimes I would stir fry things and then like stir fry a whole big batch and then just pour boiling all water over it later and call it soup. So that's like really easy and warm food. Cause it's not like, it doesn't have to all be raw or anything like that. And you can eat unlimited amounts of cucumber and celery. So that really helped with like the food craving. Like it's really interesting. Cause there's that physical, definitely there was a physical addiction to sugar. Mm-hmm that my body had to adjust to. Also, and there remains, the pleasure of eating and also an emotional eating component.
1: Yeah, it's total emotional eating component that your environment when other people are having certain foods, we're gonna be more apt to eat those foods that they're having just because of a social bond, not wanting to be left out. Uh, memories and comfort food from our past, how that comes in to soothe us in certain emotions. So there's a huge psychological aspect to uh, eating.
0: Yeah, definitely. It it way raised my consciousness around that. Like, when do I have those cravings? Like, well, Steve and I are having a hard time together. I want to eat sugar. Like there's mm. definitely that, the chocolate in particular. I'm just like, that had become my mm. habitual comfort food. And
1: again, that's a cycle. There's research that are showing that distressed couples eat more unhealthy. So that's the aspect, right? When they're, you're in distress and you're in conflict, you want to go for connection or comfort. So you start eating and making these choices around these foods that just taste good. They're not n- nutritional and it's the cycle they're going to be unhealthier. And if you're unhealthier, you're going to have more distress in your relationship because you're not making better choices because you're not feeling optimal, the blood flow's down in the neocortex. And as we were discussing that gut highway from the gut to the brain is kind of like the depression highway they're saying right now. Like there's a direct correlation between gut health and also depression.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And it's like a big percentage of serotonin is made in your gut. And then like if you have leaky gut, which I suspect that I do and that a lot of people do. Leaky gut is when your intestines actually let bigger particles through including pathogens than they are designed to. It's kind of like there's holes blown in your gut and it's leaking into your bloodstream. You know, like I remember when I first got this, it's like, oh, foreign bodies that should not be there. They're either two big pieces of protein, you know, undigested because they haven't had time to be digested and they can just leak through or they're actually pathogens, you know, your immune system has to deal with that. So your immune system is on high alert. It's gotta go around everywhere in your entire body collecting these things and getting rid of them. And that causes body-wide inflammation, including your brain. Uh, Some things cross the blood-brain barrier and affect your brain that way. And then body-wide inflammation has been shown to be linked to depression.
1: Uh, that's like the new antidepressant that they're calling treatments for lowering inflammation is the new antidepressant.
0: Yeah, and I mm. I believe it. It's related to so many things we can mm. I can hardly, like some people say that inflammation is the root of all disease, mm-hmm. dis-ease. You know, so. I want to not forget about mental health in there.
1: Yeah, I mean, the thing when I think of like getting angry, what do people call it? You're inflamed. That heightened aspect of anger or rage that comes up, inflamed. And if that's true, there's an aspect that is, is there a lot of inflammation in the body that is causing that inflamed emotion to come out in that way, fiery?
0: Yeah, I felt very fiery. Mm. And like, sometimes I still do. And like, I'm currently eating sugar. So Steve asked me today, do you think that, you know, your sensitivity today is related to sugar. You <laughs> <I was like,
1: laughs> said it that way. Did he say it so sweet like that? He said that? it pretty sweetly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good I was you,
0: like, yeah, <laughs> I think it is. Hmm. You know, I didn't ask him. What about you?
1: Honey? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you munching on something? Because you're not doing so well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the contrast between the little picture of how I was with him that had me worried about, you know, him wanting to divorce me. Mm. I mean, I couldn't understand why he would stay with me because I was such a bitch. It was just like, oh, I felt really out of control.
1: So even the the way you projected and saw yourself and the low confidence also then entered into your relationship. Ah, I'm a bitch, why are you with me? As opposed to... I'm a beautiful, good person, uh, inside and out, and that's why you're you're with me. So yeah, right. So then that's also that cycle of self-deprecation that goes into how we relate to other people.
0: Yeah, I felt mm. like a I felt like a bad human being. Mm. Like I remember telling him that more than once. Like while probably while I was crying my eyes out, you know, like I feel like a bad human being. Like mm. that I can't stop this. It was such a revelation to realize that this was not me. So on day 7 of the first 10 days of it of doing this program I literally I like I had some detox stuff the first few days there you know and then that day I woke up and I was like la 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 you know like really I felt like the hills are alive and
1: <laughs> sing a <it>, girl yeah
0: <laughs> and I went out in the garden I danced and sang people walked by and I was talking to them and I felt so happy and I had done The only thing different I had changed was my diet. It only took seven days for that to kick in. Mm. You know, I think that's pretty astounding Mm. that like the resilience, I'm sure that it's different for different people. I just Mm want to say, I know it's different for different people. Yeah,
1: yeah. we're not preaching one program or one diet focus.
0: Yeah, there's many paths here. There's many, many things Mm -hmm. that work. And there's, you know, some very, clear things that don't work for most people. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know sugar didn't work for me until I saw that contrast and I was just like, whoa. (laughs) Mm.
1: So that's beautiful that you took your own experience, your own experimentation to know what works for you and what didn't work for you.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's all a big experiment, Mm. Prepo. Like it's, I'm still figuring it out. Mm. I still feel like there's more to figure out there for sure, like with, I'm like, I would love to be able to eat wheat bread and think that it's gonna be all right, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Yeah, Yeah. and then we would talk about how diet and food affects relationships, but there's also, my wife has food allergies, and it limits us at times of where we eat, how we eat, or I think that that's perfectly fine for couples, you know, that there is stress when people eat differently, come home, so. What's for dinner? What do you want to eat? I don't know. And then they know that they can't have the same meals. But if you're taking care of yourself, that's really important that you're bringing that in. And it's your responsibility to take care of yourself. And there can be compromises that are made. If some person is a meat eater, then maybe have one day that's not as meatless. And the other person who is strictly meatless, you can overlap and have that. But it does bring up some challenges of of overlap, but when we get into a relationship, we think that we're supposed to merge and have all of these in common and do everything the same, and that's bullshit. It is. Yeah, so it is watching how we compromise in these areas, and food can be a big one to compromise, especially what I find interesting, I don't know if this went through you, but I know I'm making better choices around food and, and I'm feeling really good, there's times I know a little bit for me but I see it with other people they get we, we get on that righteous horse and the aspect that we start telling, especially our partner, you know you be, maybe you shouldn't want to eat that or you know this would be better for you and we think that we know what's best and maybe we do have some knowledge in that area but telling other people it's like no go, go live by it, live, live the inspiration. You don't have to tell people. If they're open to hear it and they want to learn, that's fine.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You had the advantage because Steve wanted to do that with you, right? You did the program together.
0: Yeah, I felt so grateful. I thought he was really just doing it for myself, and it took me a long time. I mean, I thought he was doing it for me, Mm. not himself, and that he was just being supportive because it was really helpful to get all the processed foods out of the house and Mm. not have any of that in there, you know, to tempt us. And when it, that time period was over, he kind of went back to his normal thing and I didn't. Mm. And um, for a long time there, I tilled really well with the temptation of other things that he had. He mostly doesn't crave sugar. He just, you know, he'll eat chips or whatever. Yeah. That.
1: That's my voice too. Yeah. Mm.
0: And that, those have never been like a huge draw for me, but I like them. I mean, I'm not saying I don't it's just not as a, uh, Connected with the addiction pathway in my brain. <laughs> it was really, really helpful for him to do it with me. And
1: it wasn't, you, you mentioned something that kind of plugged me in a little bit, but you did our appreciation workshop. And to me, whether that was conscious or not, that was a beautiful way for you to stay connected in another way in maybe a challenging little period of going through some detox and so forth that you actually focused on positive aspects of your relationship that you took a full day Appreciation workshop that Rainbow and I gave you and Steve did. And you said how that helped in that process of Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: It was awesome. We still Mm. use the power of appreciation. Sit down together, spend time each person one at a time, appreciating the other.
1: Isn't that good food? It is. Right.
0: It is. Yeah,
1: taking that in from each other, taking in the nurturance Mm. of and the nutrients of appreciating the other person. It's like Take it in and getting fed, but I know when I get appreciations from people, especially with Rainbow, I so feel fed by her to more than if she was actually giving me food in some way. Yeah, Yeah. it's soul
0: food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It really, it really is. It is way of being fed for sure. Mm. It's so helpful. Mm. There's so many ways to be fed. Yeah, it's not just food, and I think that that actually is. a good thing to remember, because sometimes if your strategy is food, sugar, whatever, something that's not actually serving your body well, that it could be, like one thing that I've learned, I still have to put in practice more than I have been, but I get it, is uh, if you're trying to quit a habit, you've got to replace it with something else. So you don't have to replace one food with another, but you might. You could, though, be like, Oh, I can feel that I am having this emotional eating impulse. Why don't I do something else instead? That's right. Like I could go out, I could go outside and take 10 deep breaths. That is a way of being fed as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. Change the habitual pattern.
0: Yeah. Mm. Spend 5 minutes writing in a journal. I don't know, like whatever it's going to be different for every person, I'm sure, but like something that pleaseth you. Mm. <laughs> you know, that gives you that comfort, Mm. self-hugging. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of potential things you could do. Mm -hmm. Rub your own shoulders, do some yoga, you know, something else.
1: Yeah. This transformation has been going on for about two and a half years with the program. We can name the program that the program that you're using. Yeah, yeah. And that's been about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. How do you sustain it? I mean, I mean, like you said that right now you're, you know, you are having some sugar, but still on the program. And so I would imagine even at those moments, it's self-compassion. It's knowing how you have efficacy from staying on the program that you make, you still making healthy choices in so many ways.
0: Yeah, it definitely ebbs and flows with the, you know, I'm just going to say one more time, you know, sugar is very addictive. So like when at least for me. And when I do eat it, then I automatically want more, you know? So, but I, I'm still not willing to never eat it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, some people just never eat it. I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm just not, I'm just not willing to do that. So basically every time you eat it, you kind of have to go through the, the struggle of getting back to not eating it. But yeah, what I've been doing is there's, there's actually um, what they call a core four. And so I take those, there's a shake there's a, an amino which is like a protein thing and those aminos actually also really help with they have the precursors of serotonin so that is like formed in your gut it helps my mood i can tell when i don't take them like i never thought that that would be the truth i'll be like oh, i'll eat eggs instead or whatever nope hmm. you know it's like whatever maybe i'm digestively compromised or whatever but i can tell the difference in my mood when i don't take them There's a cherry drink, which I mentioned, which is really high antioxidant, the highest antioxidant fruit. And then there's a gut health and detox capsule, which has a prebiotic, a probiotic, and some ingredients that actually remove glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup They've actually done preclinical trials on it, and it was like in six-week trial, 74% of glyphosate removed from people's bodies that were on the standard American diet without changing anything else. Uh, 75% reduction in C-reactive protein, which is a body-wide inflammation marker. So a regularly used by doctors indicator of inflammation down 75% in six weeks. And leaky gut or gut permeability, as they put it, got 30% or 30 plus percent better in that same six weeks. I think that if you're not doing anything else, the importance of gut health is so huge that doing something like that, that thing in particular, or something like that is really, really good. I don't know of anything else like that, but it blows my mind. As
1: we say, the gut is the second brain.
0: Yeah, gut is the second brain. And you know glyphosate, actually the patent on Roundup, there's more than one patent. There's a patent for it being a weed killer. There's a patent for it being a mineral chelator, which, which means it dissolves minerals. Do you really mm. want that in your body? Mm. This is, uh, whoa. And there's a patent for it as an antibiotic, which might be, I mean you think of Monsanto when you hear Roundup, well, bear. B A Y E R, that huge company, pharmaceutical company, bought them out about two years ago or a year and a half ago um, and now owns those patents. So I'm wondering, you know, like what they're going to do with that. Mm. So it affects, it's been, glyphosate's been shown to affect gut health seriously and cause leaky gut. I mean, can you actually say cause in that case? I don't know. Don't quote me on that, mm. but it's like, it's definitely been shown to affect gut health in that way and overall health. Despite their claims that it's like as safe as table salt, mm. you know, to eat. So
1: so gut health is basically also our mood. You know, our, our mood is so persuasive of our healthy floor in our guts. That's why, like you said, one of the best things you can do is really have a healthy gut. Probiotics and other things that are gonna really give you that healthy microbiome in our guts.
0: Yeah, probiotics eat fermented food like sauerkraut, kimchi, even yogurt, and plenty of other ones. But also, you know what your gut bacteria need, your microbiome, they need to be fed food that they like, Mm. which people now are calling prebiotics. So feed your little microbes, your probiotics, some prebiotics, And it's actually, you know, if you're eating a high vegetable diet, you're getting prebiotics hmm. in the fiber. Cause I'll, mostly it's fiber. It's various kinds of soluble fiber, like inulin is one, and I can't think of the names of other ones right now, but that's actually part of why I take a fiber supplement too, because it has prebiotics in it. It's, you know, fiber has been shown to be good for heart health, along with a lot of other stuff, gut health, though primo for gut health and um yeah, preventing cardiovascular disease.
1: So we don't really look at um relationship health in the way of what what I do or what I put in my body is so determined of how I'm gonna relate to people. I don't really do an uh, evaluation with that. You know, I kind of know a little bit, but I can be doing way more evaluation of when people are really having distress in their, in their relationships. And I also read a study that was interesting that when people are needing a craving for something, and let's say that there's cookies in front of them, and they know that they're gonna restrict it and they choose like the radish instead, but there's this overwhelming feeling of, of wanna go for the other impulse correlated in some way, it's not a direct correlation, but that's the same impulse of people, for instance, cheating and not making good decisions from impulsive feelings. Mm. And so that is a direct relation. I know for me now making better choices with my food environment, I'm also making healthier choices emotionally. I'm making healthy choices and even in some way how I'm thinking the process of how I wanna go about having conversations or even my intention and attitude that's always been a focus, but I'm also seeing that the control that I have around my food environment, I'm feeling more confident that I can also have that positive influence in my relationship. So that's an interesting correlation. And I don't think that most people think about how can I improve my relationship? Yes. Call a couples counselor, of course. But then there's another (laughs) aspect is, (laughs) Hey, what about what's happening with my food and diet?
0: Exactly. Yeah. why I wanted to talk to you about this. Yeah. Because I don't feel like people do recognize that. I certainly didn't. I didn't even have that intention going in that I would improve my relationship by doing this program, by improving my diet, by eating better, by not eating sugar, by getting deep deep nourishment. We are overfed and undernourished. A mm. lot, you know, like I just read a thing. I couldn't believe what I read the other day. It was a study that was about children in school and their ability to learn and how food affects that or lack of food. But most kids in the U.S. are not underfed in terms of calories. They call them something like overnourished them, I say. But really, I I wanna apply this to adults even though the study wasn't about adults. It was about kids age two to 17. Hmm. And plenty of calories but got half of the government recommended amount of nutrients a day. Half, half.
1: Wow. Wow. That's because
0: our food is not nutrient dense. Like the food that's chosen is not nutrient dense.
1: And then what's that doing to developmental brains? Yeah,
0: exactly. Huge Hmm. in kids, like huge. Hmm. And obviously still affecting adults in different ways, but whoa. Because like if the kids are only getting half, what do you think the adults are? The adults are probably trying to get their kids to eat better than they themselves eat. Mm. So that's why I think it's like, it's not only about what you don't eat because I'm, I'm definitely all about like, I need to not eat certain things or at least not in excess. Um, but it's also about what you do eat. Like eat nutrient dense. This is my suggestion. Mm. <laughs> you know, do what you want. But like eat organic food whenever you can because it doesn't have glyphosate on it, eat nutrient dense food whenever you can, like treat food as medicine. And this is a message to myself as well, because I'm not perfect at this at all. Mm. It's a reminder, you know, I'm like, oh yeah. You know why that phrase empty calories? Well, there's a reason for that because it's empty of nutrients, but high in calories. Older I get, the less I want to do that. The more my uh, body cannot deal with that. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever heard of the uh, the term Jing from mm-hmm. Chinese medicine? No. It's like your essential energy stored in your kidneys. I don't have deep understanding of this, but this is just my, like like what my teacher that I took a class from taught. I've thought about it recently as like, okay, so you can do things that either contribute to or at least preserve your Jing, or you can do things that are detrimental to and erode your jing. Like it's kind of like you have a set amount per life. You know, and then at the end of life you've run out. Mm. Well you're gonna run out faster if you're not eating well, if you're not exercising, if you have a really high stress life. I mean other things that are just accidental that happen to you, you know, Mm. that basically erode your life force. You know, it's basically it's kind of like qi, not exactly.
1: I think also like the environment around food is is so important when people are bringing up subjects that are stressful that energy is going into how we're digesting and again the digestive system is that gut floral that we're talking about is that environment so important and I know with Rainbow she is really conscious of the environment. When we walk into a restaurant, if it's blaring music, which most of them do, she's like, "No, no, 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 no." Mm-hmm. She what? It's as important to her the environment of where we're eating than what it is that we're eating. And as you know, our home, she makes a very, very beautiful, cozy beautiful. home. Yeah, and she does that around food. Almost in the summertime, we're always eating outside, and she decorates it really beautiful. And she wants the emotional aspect around our food to have healthy digestion. So we don't have stressful conversations around food. And I know many, many couples and people do, you know, the business lunch, you know, I don't think you talk about great things during a business lunch, you know, and so forth. So I think that's a big thing.
0: And maybe our childhoods, I I completely agree.
1: Uh, Yeah, we watched TV, We we pulled in the TV and watched the TV while we're eating you know, maybe it was, I don't know, Flintstones or whatever, but right. it, was, it was still, we, we didn't connect. There was an aspect of exchanging appreciations, mm-hmm. you know, that we we do sometimes around the table. Just something that, that when we digest it, we know that we're taking in all of those nutrients. But the environment I think is so important. And most Americans are conscious of that. We're in such busy, loud environments when we're when we're eating.
0: Yeah. And if it's stressful, how do you think, I mean, so if you're feeling stressed and you're eating, then there's cortisol running around in you. And exactly. how can that be conducive to j- digestion? You oh. know, your blood has been shunted away from your digestive system at that point. You know, it's saying, be ready. Something's going to happen that's dangerous. And so, you know, you're not going to absorb those nutrients well. And I totally agree with the energy of Calm and beauty is so Mm. much more conducive to good digestion.
1: And when we're feeling better about ourselves, we want to do that. You know, I know when I'm eating shitty food, it's like no, it's like dim down the night lights and and just watch a Netflix and just put my hand in the bag of chips. Mm -hmm. You know, as Mm -hmm. opposed to really feeling good about myself, I want to chew my food better and go outside and have moments of just having nice atmosphere around. So it's a direct correlation of also wanting that as opposed to the detrimental atmosphere.
0: Yeah, and having the energy to do it. Mm. Like when I think about the increase in the amount of energy, like kind of energy increases my time in some way to do things.
2: Right, yeah.
0: Like if I am not too tired to cook a wonderful meal, then that's awesome, you Mm. know? one more step of making it, presenting it beautifully, in our case, cleaning this, the office-y stuff off of the dinner table, mm-hmm. you know, is a, is a big one.
1: And do you guys cook together a lot?
0: You know, I mostly do the cooking, mm-hmm. and sometimes Steve will cook with me, especially mm-hmm. if I'm feeling stressed and I wanna have mm-hmm. help so that it gets on the table faster so we can mm-hmm. do the, go do the thing that I'm mm-hmm. stressing about getting to on time. <laughs>
1: I find that you know when it's not in somewhat of a shared process, that creates strife in relationships. I hear one partner, usually it's the woman, saying, "I'm tired of planning the meals. I want you to plan the meals. I want you to go shopping once in a while." Or, you know, yes, I get really frustrated when I give you a list and you forget two ingredients. It's all it's written down, so there's this responsibility to feed. The relationship feed the family in a material sense. And when it's weighted on one person, that person ha- ends up having some underlying resentment. And I know Rainbow does some of the bulk of, of that, actually some of the bulk of, of the shopping, but I'm definitely coming in. I love cooking with her, or the little things that I can do. It's a way of connecting and bonding with each other And uh, as opposed to just like that's her territory and she should do that.
0: Yeah, I would love it if Steve, you know, felt like he could cook more with me. And there's definitely been moments of resentment Mm. for me. And, you know, I've also, what I've realized through, we've been together for mm, 14 years or something like that. So through that time, you know, it's, it's come up over and over again and, what I realize is he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't feel confident. It's not yeah. something that he feels like he knows how to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I've definitely made some mistakes about trying to help him do it or assuming that he would know how to do things. And I, I call the most important ingredient of cooking in cooking attention. Mm-hmm. Like if you're giving it attention, it's gonna be fine. Exactly. It doesn't uh, have to be fancy, no. perfect.
1: Usually throwing. people's grandmother's food tastes really good because of the love and energy that's put in it. it doesn't usually just look fantastic. Yeah. It's that attention that she usually puts in it.
0: Loving and, attention.
1: Loving attention. And I think you're right. I know when I was learning to cook with Rainbow because Rainbow was just macrobiotic cook and I wasn't at all. And But some of the stress was you know, if I was cutting a certain way and she says, "Mm, you know, no, I think you should cut it. You know, why don't you use this knife? And there's part of me is like, let me cut the freaking tomato the way that I want to cut tomato. So I think there's an aspect of allowing your partner to do their own thing in some form, you know, so that it's not the dictator and the controller that's coming down because then it's not fun for the other person and they can't allow themselves slack to not do it just right, and then it becomes intimidating, and a lot of people have arguments over, like, don't tell me what to do in the kitchen.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't tell me what to do, period. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right, exactly, yeah. And I know when it, when that's more open in our relationship for me to experiment and do it the way I want, or cut it, or make it a meal that, uh, the way that I want, just being appreciative of that, and sharing that environment with some soft music, and some great conversation, that's a way to connect. Yeah, yeah it
0: that, is. And yeah. I, I think of it that way too. And and if it, if it doesn't happen with Steve, you know what? I accept that. There you go. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Like if that's really not his thing, it's okay. He doesn't have to do that. It's a thing that I have found that I'm, I've said to him, I would like to connect while doing this, you know? Mm. And you know what? Not everything that I wanna do and connect with is gonna resonate yeah. with him and Likewise, you know. Yeah.
1: Do you think that you would be saying this two and a half years ago before you had this transformation?
0: No, I wouldn't be talking here on the <laughs> microphone. No way, first of all. <laughs> and, and you
1: sure wouldn't be saying like, it's fine. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. I would probably more be except. having a hot flash right now, which I'm not, which is amazing.
1: <laughs> and the dragon lady would come out. Rawr. So I can't believe that he's not doing it this way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. much more accepting and calm and just like. Yeah. Whoever thought that eating well <laughs> would lead to good relationships? Wow.
1: I really appreciate that we're having this conversation. Who would have thought? So people think that eating well making those choices could really benefit your relationship in a positive way. Ham, hey, why don't you tell us the story about how you and Steve met? I love hearing people's story of how they met and yours is pretty unique because I know I was a little bit involved in the beginning of it, the conversation that we had, but I would love to hear it again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to tell this story. (laughs) This is actually probably just be like a very brief version that could take an hour if we really got into it. But um, yeah, actually we met before that conversation with you and I, we met at a natural building colloquium near Taos, New Mexico at Lama Foundation. And it was four years later, he was married at the time. We hit it off, you know, we had a great time hanging out together, but it was, it was not a romantic or sexual relationship. I would have liked it to be, but that just wasn't, you know, that wasn't going to be in the cards because he was married. Yeah. So he, when we, when we talked prepo, like that, that talk actually really changed my life. And it was like, I think at the end of the talk, it was kind of like a counseling session. Mm-hmm. And then you gave me a piece of advice. Yeah.
1: I at wish the I don't end. usually do, but I wanted it to speak perfect. to your heart. Yeah.
0: It was so perfect. Because I was lonely and looking for love and frustrated with not finding it, you know? And you were like, okay, so here's do this, you know? (laughs) Set your intention, have faith and let the universe surprise you. And I was like, I know how to set intention, but the other two, I have no idea how to do these things. So I really like worked on it and I set intention. I made a collage of like what I wanted in a man and a list. And you know, it'd be really fun to get that list out again. I think I still have it. Mm. (laughs) And then not that long after that, I was in downtown Asheville after having done some errands and I was like, well, I'll go by the co-op and see if there's anybody to hang out with. And so I just like, I was going to do a drive by and I was driving by the co-op and I saw my friend turtle and he was with another woman and they invited me into this cafe and we went and hung out and she was driving across the country and wanted help driving across the country. And I was like, she's like, well, do you want to come help me? I'm like, I just met you, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, but maybe because I'm not really in doing anything right now. I don't have a job right now. So I said, okay, I'm going to go home. It takes me an hour to drive home. I'll call you when I get back home. And this was before cell phones, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I decided in that hour that I would go, that I would do it, that I would drive to California with her. You know, just like I followed my intuition. I was Mm. letting the universe surprise me.
1: Exactly right. Yes. And
0: I was also having faith.
1: Yeah. You didn't know if it was going to turn out, what was going to happen?
0: I had no idea. I had no, plan. You know, I was just like, okay, I can do this thing. And it turned out my friend Turtle came with us. We drove across the country pretty uneventfully, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And then Turtle and I helped her build a little thing. And then we went our separate ways, skipping a lot of the story here. Sorry Mm -hmm. here. Okay. So I bought a car and decided to drive home instead of fly home, visiting places and people along the way. So a friend of mine had just seen Steve, who's now my husband, once again at Llama Foundation. And I don't really remember how she ended up giving me his phone number or email and telling me that he and his wife had broken up. And I was like, oh, hmm, <laughs> I liked that guy. Maybe I can stop there along the way, you know, because he lives like near Tucson and I'm going the southern route so that I don't have to go through the Rockies in a blizzard or whatever. And. So, I did that, and the rest is history no <laughs> so he
1: he was open for that phone call when you called him,
0: yeah, I called him. We had a really nice turned into a little bit flirty conversation, and you know his wife did not come up into the into the conversation good, at good. the time, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, it turned out that he was actually still married, but that's another long part of the story. He had just gone to uh landmark forum Hmm. or he Uh, he, i guess he went to it in between that conversation and me actually arriving in tucson
1: open to some exploration of himself
0: yes Mm -hmm. and talking with his wife you know Mm. also they weren't really together but they were still married
1: so you made that stop in tucson on the way yeah How how long did you stay
0: i think i stayed Between five and seven days. And I really was just going to stay overnight. Mm. And I I ended up getting really sick when I was there. And I left my car there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not on purpose. (laughs) Just so you'd have another thing to come back
0: Another, what we, you know, you know how there's that series of books called A Series of Unfortunate uh, Circumstances? Is that it? Well, this was a series of fortunate <laughs> circumstances. I got sick, it was almost Christmas time. My parents were like, but you're gonna be home for Christmas, right? And I was like, no, cause I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm too sick to drive. I can't drive across the country by myself when I feel this bad. Hmm. And they were like, what if we buy you a plane ticket? And I was like, okay. And so I just got a round trip plane ticket, flew back to Tucson to you know hang out more with Steve. Okay, here's another little part of the story. When he was dropping me off at the airport, he was like, I think I'm falling in love with you. I was Mm -hmm. like, whoa, dude. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm having a really good time here, but uh, I don't really think I'm falling in love with you. Like, Mm. so it was like honest from, Mm. I was like, you know, I did not expect that. But then over the next few weeks of me being away, we talked a lot. And at some point on the phone, I was like, I think I'm falling in love with you wow, too. Nice. Wow. So when I went back and got my car, he drove across the country with me and, you know, visited my home. And
1: then you were a couple. Yep. Sweet. Yeah. Nice story. Cool. Thanks, Molly. Yeah. This is cool. Thank you, Prepo. Mm-hmm.
0: Great conversation.
1: Yes.
2: Relationships. Let's talk about it is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting, PC, of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor, Prebo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content
0: is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional
2: counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, let's talk about it, is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A U X B U S dot com. Oxbus.